learning analytic researchers and practitioners can start to think about their role in sort of building on what schools already do, thinking about the value related to joining data from multiple diverse, complex data sets and the technical skill, but then also the, the conceptual, intellectual, theoretical, measurement-based challenges of doing that. Welcome to Solar Spotlight, the podcast from the Society for Learning Analytics Research, Solar. In this podcast series, we have conversations with guest speakers to engage the wider community with leading research, practice, and key issues in learning analytics. I'm Shibani Antoinette from the University of Technology, Sydney, the host for this episode. I also have Rogers Kalisa, who will be co-hosting the episode with me today. Rogers, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Thank you, Shibane. My name is Rogers Kalisa, and I'm a PhD student at the University of Oslo, Norway, and a student member representative on the Solar Executive. Great, thank you. We've seen increasing interest in the use of data and analytics for improving education, but a vast majority of this work is in the context of tertiary education. The K-12 sector still remains underexplored in learning analytics, possibly due to additional data privacy and parent concerns for young students. Today, we have a special guest, Andrew Crum, Andy, who is going to talk to us about learning analytics in schools, where we are now, what challenges we face, and how we can look toward the future. So without further ado, I'll invite our guest to introduce himself. Thanks to you both uh, for having me. Uh, I started off uh, getting my PhD at the University of Michigan in uh, Learning Technologies, where I worked with um, Stephanie Teasley and a group of folks in the School of Information around some of our early uh, learning analytics projects at the University of Michigan. Um, and then after that, I worked for two nonprofit research organizations uh, out in uh, California, one uh, SRI International and then Digital Promise. And then most recently, I've been uh, a faculty member in the medical school and by courtesy of the School of Information um, at the University of Michigan. Right. So before we dive into learning analytics, can you tell us a bit about how the school system works with respect to pedagogical and technological innovations? Yeah, so the, the last uh, 20 years or so, I've seen uh, a big increase in terms of the use of technology in both classrooms and then in the uh, central offices. Um, so central offices have seen uh, an increase in terms of student uh, information systems um, and the ways in which uh, districts uh, collect and store uh, increasing amounts of information related to things like uh, standardized tests, grades, and attendance. And there's a group of researchers who are looking at how districts use those uh, systems for um, instructional and school improvement purposes under the banner of data-driven decision-making in the United States. And then in classrooms, we've seen an increased use of a variety of platforms um, where students interact with um, both assessment systems, but uh, also instructional systems uh, as a part of different models for improving how uh, students interact with content, often referred to as blended learning, uh, which offer different ways in which um, teachers, students, um, and uh, technology are used in classrooms. Right. Um, so do you see differences across countries and geographical regions? Because you spoke mostly about the U.S. context. And in general, how do school administrators, teachers, students perceive learning analytics? I think first and foremost, schools, uh, teachers, and students perceive learning analytics through the lens of technology use in the classroom. The different technologies in terms of intelligent tutoring systems, um, for example, 
or some would consider that primary uh, learning analytics technology, uh, schools mm -hmm. you know, perceive them more as uh, ways in which students, for example, interact with math, uh, or interact and learn how to uh, uh, improve their middle school math curriculum, for example, um, or in the case of, of some programs, um, do online or digital homework or provide opportunities to practice new content. Um, and so I think in many ways, you'll hear people talk first and foremost about the technology where the learning analytics component comes in secondarily. Right. Is the term learning analytics familiar at all or are they, is it not often used? I think you'll see some districts referring to uh, the idea of learning analytics. But in the main, it'll often be framed in terms of some specific purpose, like improving formative assessment, like doing uh, response to intervention or multiple multi-tiered uh, instructional support. So there's a variety of different initiatives or purposes that are first and foremost, and especially um, district leaders and teachers' as minds, uh, before they may describe what they're doing as learning analytics. And so in a lot of ways, it's, there are a few districts who would consider themselves and sort of see their work as being on the cutting edge of doing analytics. But in the main, most uh, districts are thinking about improving a primary thing like increasing their, um, uh, their use of formative assessments or integrating blended learning uh, across mm -hmm. the grades. Uh, what kind of data is available and how it is made use of currently in schools? So it varies quite a bit depending upon the system. So there are some instructional um, systems, for example, that provide information related to the amount of time a student may have spent on a particular level or game or instructional activity, how well the student did on those. Um, and then information related to like meaningful comparison. So how well did the student do uh, compared to average students, for example, who have attempted this level, um, average students who have um, um, used this platform before. So it's fairly, uh, I don't want to call it simple, but I think in many ways there are uh, pretty intuitive uh, metrics um, or pieces of data that are coming out of the instructional systems. Is this data usually from uh, systems like learning management systems or like uh, school-based systems? Yeah, so in schools you'll see um, folks using learning management systems for uh, in, in fairly sort of typical and or traditional ways related to uh, students having access to learning resources, like a PDF file or, or a link, um, and then a specific assessment, either teacher created or an external assessment, uh, where the learning management system is more the container for all of that. And some of the metrics that would come out of a learning management system, um, as we would see in, in a higher ed setting as well, are mainly like time spent in the LMS and specific things clicked on. In the school context, um, which is quite different to higher ed, there's quite a lot happening in the classroom, which is not sometimes not captured in learning management systems online. So what kind of data would come up from the classroom? So in terms of beyond learning management systems, there are different instructional systems that students interact with within an overarching sort of instructional organization within the course. So some of these systems are game-based um, or uh, assessments where students are on, a, on an iPad or a one-to-one -one device are interacting and, and practicing and or learning new, new skills or new abilities. Uh, and then the data coming out of those would uh, typically be things like, again, time on task or performance, or if there are, for example, some 
measures or metrics related to a student may be struggling here. Um, so there may be some uh, unique features related to a student who has, uh, for example, failed multiple levels in a row, and that unique piece of information may be communicated to a teacher. So you gave us some examples of the data. Uh, can you also share with us what would be considered successful use of learning analytics? And what do you think are the factors contributing to the success? Yeah, I think successful um, uses of learning analytics, kind of like the ways that I mentioned schools think about maybe a broader or bigger purpose first and then learning analytics second. I think that same idea kind of applies here as well, where successful implementation is if our goal is to use a student information system or a learning management system or a new formative assessment system to improve the ways in which we are um, supporting students and providing tailored instruction um, or regrouping students within our classrooms, for example, that I think those would be markers of successful learning analytics would be successful formative assessment, successful blended learning, successful efforts to improve instruction. And learning analytics is often seen as sort of a, a support or a way of driving that more general or, um, or, or bigger sort of purpose that the school is trying to work toward uh, in a specific either grade band or, or content area. Right, you put it beautifully, success in learning analytics comes when you start with a purpose. I think that aligns really well with the need to augment existing pedagogical practice with learning analytics rather than replace it. Unlike any LA, we will also want to close the loop and bring the analytics back to the learner for effective usage, I would think. Yeah, in specific situations, you will see then um, programs, apps, games, um, platforms, thinking about how can they provide that information to the learner and how do um, learners then respond in relation to uh, a new way in which uh, a system provides feedback uh, following uh, an unsuccessful level attempt. And so in that way, the success of the learning analytics intervention can be sort of viewed from both the perspective of the school, what are we trying to accomplish in the school um, or, or in a specific classroom? And then as well from the perspective of the um, technology developer um, in terms of how are we using the information we have to improve the learning experience for, for, for students and then as well as uh, for, for teachers and administrators as well. Okay, and what challenges and concerns are there over learning adoption in schools from your experience? I think the same kinds of challenges that we would see when we're trying to implement technology more generally. Um, what new skills, uh, what new abilities do um, teachers, uh, do administrators, does the school in general um, need to have or develop in order to use this technology well? Um, how do we take the pre-existing ways in which this classroom is run uh, and think about bringing in this new innovation uh, to achieve some goal? And so in a lot of ways, the the primary sort of challenge is, are very familiar in terms of just typical challenges of implementing a new innovation uh, in a complex organization like a, like a school uh, and classroom. And in the general stream of learning analytics, maybe from a higher education perspective, we have issues of privacy and ethics. And I mean, when you talk about schools where we deal with, uh, with the students who are below 18, are there any insights in line with the privacy uh, that you can actually touch on and whether this is also a challenge in the adoption of learning analytics in schools? I think it's a specific challenge uh, in terms of the, on the research side, for example. So in terms of who can work with data, 
for learners who are under 18, I think is, um, uh, is a question that is you know, regularly discussed. Laws, rules, and regulations are developed uh, in the United States context, often at the state level, uh, and then implemented, clarified, and made more specific at a district level. Um, and so you will see um, uh, a great deal of variety in terms of the, the ways in which districts work with folks outside of the outside of the individual district to support a, a formative assessment uh, initiative that may have learning analytics in the background and may require an external organization like a university or a research organization to help them work with those data. And then in those contexts, there are, again, federal laws, but largely state laws and then district implementation that help to make sense of how can folks outside of the district work with student level, perhaps identifiable or even de-identifiable data to, uh, to, to improve that, uh, the implementation, for example, of a specific um, uh, analytics uh, intervention. Uh, from your experience, like researchers working in this, in this area and working with uh, students below 18 years, do you have any tips like or suggestions that you can actually highlight like how best can uh, researchers actually work? Yeah, so some of the ways in which um, myself and my colleagues have worked with um, districts and schools is primarily through what we refer to as sort of a, a partnership orientation or collaborative approach where um, the, the district um, or school will work with us, whether we're in a research organization or at a university to uh, accomplish some goal that is the unique goal of the school and or district. So this orientation toward engaging in this kind of work is slightly different than uh, I'm a researcher who has a research question and I want to essentially use, the, use your classroom to better understand this broader, more generalizable sort of research question that I'm trying to approach. So I think like one tip is to think less about how can I as a researcher study the thing I'm interested in and primarily think first and foremost, how am I as a researcher, a potential resource to the school to answering their questions, to helping them analyze their data. And in doing so, are there ways in which we can find mutual times to uh, examine research questions that may be interesting to me while we're addressing problems um, and or questions that, um, the district and or school or, or, or broader sort of school organization may, may have. So one tip is to try and find that sort of that relationship between the, the school's goals and the researcher's goals um, and, and try and find some, some mutual benefit across those two ideas. Yeah, that's a great tip. Thanks. Um, do you actually start with that when you go about implementing learning analytics? Do you go and ask about problem or the question they want to solve? Or how do you start with doing learning analytics with schools and the stakeholders? How do you get them involved in it? So there is a bit of like sort of seeming magic to that initial first step. And my colleagues and I, uh, Barbara Means and uh, Marie Bienkowski and I wrote about this in our, in our book on learning analytics in schools, which is we can sort of plot out what steps two through seven look like, but that mm -hmm. step one of a project does have this kind of happenstance feel to it where a district hears about uh, something that you as a researcher are working on, and that sounds interesting to that district and they want to have an initial conversation. Or you as a researcher might learn about a problem that a district is wrestling with um, and want to maybe offer some support or opportunity to learn about their problem more in depth. 
And so kind of defining what that initial step looks like is actually quite challenging because across the multiple partnerships that myself and my colleagues have, have worked in, um, each one has a really unique sort of step one, even though they can all start to take a similar shape beyond that in terms of, so we've gotten together, we've started to think about the, the, the problem that you're wrestling with. Now we can start to think about, well, how do we clarify that problem? How do we go and learn about it more specifically? How do we develop a theory as a partnership for how we're gonna analyze those data? How do we work with those data? How do we jointly analyze and, and share information? And how do we test change ideas based on those analyses? So those steps feel very familiar um, and are things that you can help others engage in. But that initial step, there is a bit of um, sort of happenstance to it, which is um, uh, once you're in a specific sort of opportunity to have a conversation, um, that's then when you can start to figure out, well, what will this look like? But that initial that initial uh, conversation could be challenging to sort of say, do this in order to have a successful conversation with the district. Right. And I imagine it would be difficult for schools or teachers who are not familiar with this space or someone who's listening to this podcast and they're just thinking, okay, I want to know more. I want to get involved, do more, but I'm not sure where to start or how do I get in touch with these people who are doing this research? So can you talk a little bit more about how these partnerships can happen across various contexts? Yeah, I think the, the ways in which the conversations um, sort of can begin, and again, sort of naming some examples that might not be sort of a, a clear rule of thumb to follow, but sort of specifics that might sort of kick off, again, those steps that might be more familiar and more regular. Uh, in terms of uh, a teacher, for example, may have a discussion with someone who is, would be considered in a leadership role within their district. And that person in a leadership role has unique opportunity uh, in their role since they're not um, teaching, for example, from eight to three, their work is, is more flexible to having conversations with outside researchers, outside organizations. So as part of like uh, their role as a chief technology or chief information officer, part of their job is having contacts and connections with external organizations, be they vendors or research organizations. So a lot of our initial partnership work starts at that not necessarily the most senior district leaders, like a superintendent, for example, but someone who supports him or her in sort of this information or technology role. And that group between uh, that group of individuals in schools and researchers can start to have an initial set of conversations around issues or problems that the district is having. And then that person connects the researcher or external group to teachers, but that comes later. Often those initial conversations are with that sort of middle group of administrators who have the flexibility and responsibility to make connections to, to individuals outside of their district. Great, those partnerships can definitely be fruitful. Thinking beyond the context of the United States, where there may or may not be such connecting roles, we'd also be interested to talk to practitioners and teachers from other geographical regions in the future. Now, uh, moving a conversation forward from examples and challenges. Can you tell us how learning analytics can further enrich learning in the school sector? So I think the ways in which learning analytics in particular can address problems that schools are facing and support improvement efforts is thinking about the unique challenges of working with large scale or complex data sets that exist across a variety of systems. Um, so it could be a student information system, an instructional platform, and an assessment platform, wherein I think schools have 
often used test scores and a variety of data to drive instructional or uh, general improvement questions. What I think learning analytics uh, researchers and practitioners can start to think about their role in sort of building on what schools already do is thinking about the value related to joining data from multiple diverse complex data sets and the technical skill you need in order to um, do that work well and with reliability, but then also the, the conceptual, intellectual, theoretical, uh, measurement-based challenges of doing that. Does it make sense to join these two sets of data together? What can we say with validity and reliability when we join these data sets together? So I think the, the learning analytics researcher who's sort of thinking about um, those sort of higher level questions uh, beyond just the technical challenges of joining together multiple data sets is potentially that unique, uh, that unique opportunity for, for, that, for that group of researchers to support schools. Great, thank you so much for joining us, Andy. It was great to have you on the show. At the end of our podcast, we invite a special guest to play a fun game called Two Truths and a Lie. Our guest will share with us three statements about themselves, two are true, and one is a lie that we should find out. Here are the answers from our last podcast before we hear from Andrew. Statement one. For some years, I have been trying to make perfect eggs Benedict. Statement two. I did a handspring over a gate when I was 20 years old. Statement three. I used to play the piano in the band of my previous department. And the lie is number one. Fabio, <laughs> how about you? So my three statements are, one, I was trained as an oil painter. Number two, I met Mr. Jesus Christ one day while I was just walking on the street. And number three, uh, I was chased by a wild hippo when I was swimming on, in a lake in Africa. So um, actually, I was chased by a hippo in Burundi in Africa. Uh, one day, I actually met a guy dressed as Jesus right after a procession of Easter in, uh, in Brazil. So he was the Jesus of the parade. So it's true. Uh, but I was not, never trained as an oil painter. I wish, but no, I don't paint. So number one is a lie. Now, Andrew, would you like to give us your three statements for two truth and a lie? Uh, so uh, starting off, um, I did my dissertation on how and why learning management systems are basically everywhere. I regularly work with uh, surgeons, but I am uh, very squeamish. And I am an avid swimmer. We'll know what the truths are and what the lies are in the next podcast. Thanks for listening to Solar Spotlight, conversations on learning analytics. You can subscribe to our podcast and find our available episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. The Learning Analytics Summer Institute will run from June 13th to 17th, 2022, virtually. Registration is now open, and SOLA is accepting applications for student scholarships. All eligible doctor and master students will receive scholarships. For details, visit the SOLA website. My name is Shibani Antonit. And I am Rogers Kalisa. We've been talking to Andrew Crum on learning analytics in schools. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please tweet us at Solar Research using the hashtag Solar Spotlight.